This is David Wilson and welcome to episode 34 of On Another Track. Welcome to On Another Track with me, David Wilson, exploring people and places from around the world. A podcast series that takes you where you've never been and probably where you never want to go. On Another Track is speaking with people we can't meet with face to face. We use remote video technology and software to see what they have to say. How did you get into the business, that kind of thing? What sort of education do you need? Because can you do this business without going to technical college or university or something? Right now in in, in U.S. history, there's people who want to scrub that. My cousin did a family tree and she was able to trace it back to the Pagese who owned us. That's the voice of Andrea Hancock. She's a professional organiser and the founder of Dexterous Organising. She wants to organise your life with a purpose and a plan. Andrea's motto is cleanliness is next to godliness. No, actually, that's mine, to be fair. Having met Andrea at one of our local networking groups, I was inspired by her propensity to organise and sort other people's lives. No mean feat when you think how busy our lives have become in the last 18 months with lockdown. Andrea understands the value of an organised environment, having a plan and a purpose to live your life to the full. The wonderful thing is that it doesn't have to be difficult to achieve a clutter-free environment which will allow you to flourish. Listen as Andrea helps us to love life again. My first question for Andrea was, what does dexterous organising mean in terms of a business? I run a professional organizing business. Ah, yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. So, um, most people are familiar with professional organizers as being solo um, persons who come in and help you organize your space, your time, the person, and their things. Um, There's some of us in the industry that do team organizing. So, we're able to process faster. Uh, and do larger jobs. So we uh, are in the space of helping with relocations, project managing those, and helping people unpack and put away. So a person can eat, sleep, drink, work within a matter of hours or uh, days versus sometimes weeks and years (laughs) that it takes people to get unpacked. We all know someone who has boxes from two years ago in the garage. <laughs> oh, 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 I can beat that. I have had boxes from three and a half years ago oh. in the garage. But it took me, took me, I, I think, until three weeks ago to start unpacking some of them. So anyway, I admit it. I admit mm-hmm. it. A shot at dawn here. But okay, so let's just go over what you've just sort of said there. You know, there's two parts really to what you do. I imagine the personal side of organization, which is something we can talk about in a minute, but you kind of also focus on the business side. Is that correct? Yes. So um, now my role is pretty much CEO. I do still work with clients. Um, I'll be working with clients this week, but I am in the midst of training my team and getting the team up and running. Um, I just kind of promoted one of my lead organizers to project manager, and she is making sure all of the projects are running smoothly, um, onboarding clients, um, that type of thing, so that I can do more design work and be the 
rainmaker, as they say. <laughs> no, absolutely. And you've got to be able to do that. It's lovely in a business when you eventually can hand those reins over to a colleague or somebody you trust, isn't it? That can get on and do the kind of what yeah. I call the donkey work a little bit. The getting, you know, getting all the things in place, the logistics. Eh? So you did allude to something there, which I, I just heard that the design work. So what does that involve? It's not just about, oh, we get take, you know, objects from here to here and we put them in boxes and we unpack them there. What's involved in a, you know, an organization like yours? Well, I use the word design. I borrowed that from the program that I'm studying called Clockwork um, that is teaching me and other entrepreneurs how to run their business automated or by itself and, you know, with the team approach. So design work is what they call what the CEO does in designing the business, um, pretty much business development but it's more, you know, higher level um, direction of the business, how clients are, will, you know, be handled, the workflows, the processes, all of that type of thing. Got you. Okay, fair enough. So uh, tell me a little bit, let's rewind the kind of tape a little bit and let's see how you got this all started. Because I imagine when you were at school or something like that, you didn't sort of think one day, I just want to have my own business just sorting people's messages. <laughs> or did you? Or did you? I mean, maybe I've got that wrong. <laughs> I did not. And okay. actually, I wasn't, you know, what people consider like the most organized person in, in the class. Um, I admired those people and I, I wanted to emulate them. So um, I put a lot of things in my life to get organization involved, to make me more productive, to make me successful. I realized it was a skill set. And that a lot of people don't have it or they don't prioritize it, I should say, to the point where it's, you know, an impediment to their success. Oh, almost oh, definitely. And I was going to challenge you on that. They didn't have the skill set, but you're absolutely hit the nail on the head. They didn't prioritize it. So tell us some of the, the negatives, I suppose, of not being able to deal with organization and having a mess around you all the time. What have you seen from your personal experience when you go into people's homes or businesses? Mostly stress and overwhelm, um, just a sense of not knowing where to start, not knowing how it got that way, um, not understanding that it's the everyday processes that um, add up to the clutter and the disorganization. A lot of our clients, they're very, very busy, and some of them are organized. They just don't have the time to give a project or a situation, um, the proper time that it takes to get to the level of organization they would like, um, like um, unpacking or maybe um, moving or something of that nature. So um, they hire us. But some of our clients are busy and they have um, maybe lack of skill set. And the reason I say that is sometimes they may have had a person in their life that did it for them. <laughs> So they just never understood all of the steps to get from point A to point B when it comes to the organizing process. The other challenge could be they have a brain-based condition, ADHD. Sometimes it's a health condition or a mental health condition. It could be anything that wears on the body or the mind that doesn't allow them the energy um, or the ability to do the things. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's a great explanation, actually. And and what would you say, in your opinion, then, is a great motivator? What you know, if if somebody's listening to this and they really couldn't afford the help at this stage, you know, but they like what you're saying, what are some of the things that somebody can do personally to get themselves, you know, get that ball rolling so they can start to really get to grips with tidying and organizing? What would your three step plan be? I would say start small. There's tons of books. Um, there's tons of podcasts, YouTube channels where it goes through the steps of organizing. So I notice that when we start working with a client, a lot of times they pick up an object and they go through this long uh, list of questions and thoughts about that one thing where they don't really have the process of you're just making the decision of is this keep? is this not keep (laughs) versus uh, where will I store this? You know, and and then, and then they go and say, Oh, I'm going to put this pin, you know, upstairs in the office. Then they go back downstairs and then they pick up a book and then, Oh, this goes in the bedroom (laughs) and it just wears them out. Whereas if they have a process and accountability partner and um, someone and, and just follow those steps and starting with, even a utility drawer, I call it. Other people call it junk drawer. No, well, no, well. <laughs> Sorting and purging and, um, you know, containing in that small sense, then translating that to a larger project and a larger project. It's a practice. Like I would say yoga. I mean, they don't have their heels in the air <laughs> um, <laughs> quite at the beginning stages. Um, but it's, you know, a stretch and learning and the stretch and learning. You alluded to a couple of things. So you got that kind of idea of maybe two piles, a box for this and a box for that, a keep and send off to a charity store or, or get rid of. But you also said something about an accountability partner. What, what was that all about? So a lot of times um, people hire us because, you know, they have a friend, they have a family member, they may have a neighbor that could help them get organized physically, but they're not a good accountability partner. They may, oh, you're getting rid of that. Oh, maybe you should. Or there's shame involved. Why did you keep that for so long? (laughs) So accountability partner would be someone sometimes in, in the ADHD world, it's called body doubling. It's just someone else there. It's something about being surrounded by another person, another presence um, that gives you some focus. So instead of taking that pin to the office and then seeing, oh, I forgot to pay this bill. Then you sit down and you pay the bill and then you get a notification on your phone and you're looking at Facebook or, you know, some social media, whatever. That accountability partner is downstairs. (laughs) Where did they go? So it helps you keep focus. Okay, I'm going to take that pin to the office. I'll come back downstairs and sort through the rest. Um, whereas when you're by yourself, it can go awry. Um, and also with the friend and the neighbor, a bottle of wine might get opened up. <laughs> there might be more discussion than actually task management. 
excuse me a minute, isn't that a prerequisite to clearing up a space? Come on, a bottle I mean, of wine I think or whatever. That's maybe toward the end of the, you know, <laughs> once you've cleared a space, you open up a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're not encouraging any drinking on the job here, but definitely have it as a as a you know as an aim, as something at the end, yes, isn't it? It's a, a little reward. bit of a kind of a reward. You've got it right that you can do. Okay, so we we've got our boxes, we've sorted everything out, we've got our accountability partner, and say now we're 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 kind of three quarters of the way there. What is the hardest thing for your clients to do, especially personal clients, when they've suddenly got those boxes sorted, they've got their accountability partner who's made sure they've done that job. What's the next stage that's really difficult? I imagine the next stage is actually getting rid of it, isn't it? Can be. Um, For some people, getting rid of things is quite easy. And for others, it's not. We always like to start with the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. Things that people haven't seen in a long time, uh, starting in the garage or the basement, where it's like, I haven't seen that stuff in like two, three years. By that time, you've usually bought a duplicate of whatever's down there, (laughs) or you've outgrown it, or it's gotten damaged, and it's just easy to, you know, clear the space out. The other thing about starting in storage spaces is once you've cleared those areas, now you have space for the other things that you want to keep that are now crowding out the living spaces. Um, So... (laughs) Yeah, all the extra um, toilet paper and paper towels from the big box stores can now go into the garage and the basement storage. That's a good point you just make, isn't it? Because you've done the process, you've done the hard work, you've got the items out of the house or out of the building that you're in commercially. Uh, But now, really, you've got to reduce the temptation of filling that space again, haven't you? And and, Or if you're going to fill it, then do you sort of try and organize people so that when they do fill it, it's in an organized way? Absolutely. So what we try to do is assign homes, um, create zones, so that what happens usually is well, people will say, oh, where's that extra tube of toothpaste? I don't know where it is. I'm going to go get another one. But now we have a place called health and beauty. (laughs) And it could be in a linen closet. It could be anywhere that's accessible. So once that tube of toothpaste on the um, bathroom counter is done, you don't say, let me go to the store and buy another tube of toothpaste. You say, let me go to my health and beauty section and see if I have another tube of toothpaste and then replenish it. And that's kind of the cycle that you run into versus I can't find whatever and you and you know lose track of the inventory you have. And so that's kind of in the more the productivity side of things, the maintenance side of like how you use your time, how you create lists, how you manage the things that flow in. Because what we're doing is kind of like say I use the example if you you have a flood Uh, overflow of water from your kitchen sink, not going to just start to mop the floor, you're going to turn the water off. So a lot of times people start to see the leaks, so to speak, of how things flooded into their lives. Maybe they purchased too much of X or accumulated a lot of Y. And then they're like, huh, I don't think I need to buy another pen another coffee mug. But here's the thing I was going to ask you, because this would be quite interesting. I imagine being in the business for the, the long time that you've been in the business for, do you find there's certain people of certain age are worse than others? Or there's a certain type of, you know, background that they come from, they're worse than others. What What's your kind of viewpoint on that? Well, worse is, is subjective. 
<laughs> and course, so, so I, I feel like the people who find thing find it hard to get rid of things usually come from a background where they didn't have a lot um, at some point in their lives. So, you know, they have the mentality, waste not, want not. And so they're, I may need this again. And you don't know and when in the first year of the future you might need it, but you just are scared to let, let it go. And then we have people who, you know, we, we are now in a very easily consumable <laughs> um, age where you can click a button and within the, that afternoon or the next day, there's a box at your doorstep. And so because of that ease of purchase, you know, that has been a challenge for a lot of people. And so you can combine that with some people who waste not, want not, and then (laughs) they don't get rid of things and then they consume quite a bit of things at the same time. You're in for a huge challenge of overwhelming clutter. So I'm dying to, I've been dying to ask you this right from the start of the interview. Um, What's been your biggest success story? I mean, you don't necessarily have to reveal names, but, you know, what was the scenario? What was the situation? How did you manage to organize it? And what was the end result? Mm. Well, I probably have a lot of those. But when you were saying that, the first thing that popped in my head was um, a few years ago, I worked with a single mom. She was a divorcee. She was pretty much empty nester. I think her youngest might have been just out of high school. And so some of her children were adults and they were, you know, supporting one another. And um, so she uh, was a school teacher. She moved um, really close to her job and she could walk to the school in a studio apartment. But she had lost her house after some hardship financially. And so it was very, very hard for her to part with the things from her four bedroom home. So when we first started working together, there was literally hardly anywhere to walk. (laughs) It was stuffed with boxes. On top of that, she had um, ADHD. Um, She had kind of post-traumatic stress from her past relationship that was abusive. And she was also stressed from the divorce. It was not a very amicable divorce. So going through her things, it took a lot of patience. She had to make very sentimental decisions. Sometimes she would spend time reading poems. (laughs) Sometimes she would, it was hard for her to let go of calendars from 20 years ago because she marked down when her children had their first steps. But when we were done, her apartment was so livable. It had the zone she needed. And even through our talks, I helped her with productivity because she not only worked um, in the school system, but she also had a part-time job at a uh, retail store. And she found that she had zero time to do maintenance. I mean, even things like laundry. So we talked about the efficiency of, you know, this extra part-time job. What is it costing you really, as far as it comes to energy, um, the use of your time? Is it worth the extra amount of, you know, extra money. So she actually, uh, she thought about that and she was very grateful for that advice. And she went to her supervisor with the intent to quit, but she was so good at the job and they, they loved her so much that they gave her flexibility to only work, um, certain weekends and certain hours. So that freed up some time. So as we worked together, um, she also had time to maintain 
all of the things that were uh, flowing into her life. That, that's superb. So what we're really saying is that, you know, being in this situation has many entities. There's many inputs to it, isn't there? So it's not really doing the most obvious thing about tidying up. That's going to be the end result. But it could be, as you just suggested, is that you need to make more time to get your brain clear and to have a bit of breathing space to say, oh, now I can consider this. I have a day or half a day that I can tackle this with. So that's what we were saying. It's not just the physical, is it? It's the the mental as well. Absolutely. Whenever you're working with people, it's so many different components. Totally, totally. And am I right in thinking, and I, I, I was actually kind of blown away by this because I know we met on Lunch Club mm-hmm. uh, and it was great and it was a revelation. I didn't know that there was an association that you can belong to when you are a professional in, in the organization side of things. So tell the listeners a little bit about that. What's that organization about? And is that something that's worldwide or just North American? So there's several different associations throughout the world. Um, the, the one in the States is called the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, and it's NAPO for short. There is uh, an Association of Professional Organizers in Canada, and I can't remember what ex- the exact phrasing, but it's POC for short. Okay. Um, there's some in Australia. There's a huge organizing culture in Brazil. Yeah. Um, and they're called personal organizers. That's what they call themselves. And, um, you know, when I go to the conferences for NAPO, a lot of our international colleagues come in and to that conference as well. So I get to meet them. You're halfway through listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guest this week is Andrea Hancock. She's a professional organizer and the founder of Dexterous Organizing. Next, I want to ask Andrea a little bit about her backstory and her family and where they came from, and also to paint a picture of where she currently resides. Well, I currently um, am in the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area in Northern Virginia, in Alexandria, uh, to be quite exact. I have lived here um, for about 17 years, as long as I've been married. Um, my husband's from Washington, D.C. My mom's from Washington, D.C. My dad's from Maryland. In this metropolitan area, it's known as the DMV or D.C., Maryland, Virginia. So you cross a bridge um, and you're when you cross a couple of the bridges, you're, you could literally be in all three areas. <laughs> the GPS is welcome wow. to D.C., welcome to Virginia, welcome to Maryland, you know. <laughs> So, because the water, you know, it's, it's yeah. so, anyway. It meanders. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I live in that metropolitan area. And so my, my family is pretty much from there. Um, you go, you know, into my grandparents and they're from the South, from the Carolinas. A lot of people are familiar with the great migration that um, happened in the States uh, where Southerners went to um, the cities to find work. And uh, my great-great-grandmother did that while my grandmother stayed with my great-great-grandmother in the Carolinas and was pretty much raised by her. And I actually had the privilege of knowing all three of them. My grandmother still oh my. is still alive and actually yeah. booked a date to, to, for her to spend the weekend with us in a couple of weeks. But um, my great-grandmother, um, we called her Honey, and she, she lived until I was in my... 30s. My oh, great wow. great grandmother, um, I knew her 
Um, we called her Grandma Pegues, and uh, she lived until I was about eight years old. Wow, that's really <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. So the Great Migration happened. You guys came up and, of course, started to work in the factories because I know there's a lot of people came north, mm-hmm. and that would be in the kind of early to mid 20th century. So where did you? Where were you actually born? Were you in Maryland when you were born? I was, or was born in Maryland. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell it. Tell us. Because this goes round around the world. This podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell us and paint us a picture of Maryland. What, what's it like in, in as a as a place to live? Oh wow. Well, Maryland it borders the Chesapeake Bay. Right. And so a lot of Marylanders um, are known for their love of crab eating, pretty much seafood. So. Annapolis is our capital. Some people are, you know, from the northern part of Baltimore. Um, and then it kind of hits the southern part close to the D.C. border. And that's pretty much where my father is from. Virginia and Maryland um, are really across from one another. There's no bridge from that part of Virginia and southern Maryland. But so if you want to go there, you got to go all the way up and around and down. Oh, wow. um, but he's from La, La Plata area. Um, actually, my mate name is Marbury and he is from Marbury, Maryland. So interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure it had to do with our owners, <laughs> uh, slave owners of that time. But yeah, that's where my family comes from. Interesting. Actually, Virginia has got very close to my heart because I know being from Scotland and also my family from Ulster, Northern Ireland, a lot of Scots and Ulstermen came to Virginia mm-hmm. in, in the kind of 1700s and 1600s. And I hadn't realized until I watched, uh, and I've told many people this, well, until I watched Outlander, and I know the lady that did the Outlander series, she did a lot of research. She was a university professor, uh, Dana Gamble, and I think her name is. Anyway, long story short, I didn't realize that the Scots and the Ulster Irish were so motivated to get American independence because they were so fed up with the English <laughs> and being pushed around with them that they, they were really based in Virginia. And that's where a lot of that happened, you know? And so Virginia seems to be kind of the hotbed of kind of American independence almost, you know? I live about 10 minutes from Old Town Alexandria. It's a lot of history in this area. Um, I can walk to um, George Mason the fourth a summer home <laughs> from where wow. I live. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of history here. Okay. I want to rewind back now a little bit because you, you did kind of nearly answer the question, but not quite. So I'm going to just push you on again. So how the heck did you get from being a school age, grade 12, right? <laughs> uh, you know, kind of having all the dreams that a young lady has at school. I, I imagine you did have dreams of doing different things with your life. And then that metamorphosized into what you do now. How did that happen? It's funny. I kind of was always into the arts kind of thing. And, and, and I went to a vocational school where they teach you trades and they had a, a culinary arts program. And I was very interested in, in joining it. And so this was, um, 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago, and, you know, before Food Network and all of these other, you know, foodie programs. So when I thought about being, going into culinary arts, all my mom could think of was um, catering business or, you know, or chef. And she was like, it's just, I, I just know that that's just so hard for women. It's just a very difficult job. So she kind of discouraged me from doing that. And my aunt 
was was an accountant or is yeah was an accountant and uh she was doing accounting and she said well there's another program within the high school where it's a business side and so you could go to school in the morning and then the bus would take you to the to the local train and you had to get a job in an office and what appealed to me was half day school Absolutely. Who wouldn't want half-day school? I agree with you totally. Sure. I think I'll go in that program. So I I did study accounting in high school and then in college, I graduated with an accounting degree and I I went into accounting. And the odd thing is I hated math, but I loved accounting. And so it it occurred to me that what, what was it about accounting that I enjoyed? And it was the organizational part. And so in college and throughout my early 20s, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just never knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I did sell some things, um, multi-level marketing, some here and there. And it was 2009, 2010. I stumbled upon an organizer on television, a show called Clean House. And uh, Linda Cooper Smith is the organizer who starred on that show in the first few seasons. And so that's when I did an internet search and found NAPO. In 2010, I joined NAPO and I joined the Washington, D.C. chapter. And I was just like, this, this these are my peeps. <laughs> it was like a revelation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went to uh, the first conference, NAPO conference, and believe it was uh, San Diego in 2011. And it was, it's just like my, eye. I mean, the fact that, you know, there was not only other people who did this, that there were so many niches. Um, so it was just, you know, a, a door had opened wide. And so most organizers start off as generalist. And then the progression is either you kind of tend toward residential or you tend toward corporate or small business. Um, and then with even within those two gamuts, there's productivity on both sides, helping people with time management and efficiency, either residential or or corporate or business. There's a whole nother association called Association of Senior Move Managers, or NASM is the National Association of Senior Move Managers. And so they only concern themselves with helping seniors downsize and settle into um, you know new living conditions. So there's so many different niches. That's amazing. And thank you for telling us that kind of story, because I was really wanting to get down to that nitty gritty of how you kind of did that little route map and got where you got. But what's lovely about it, and you've just illustrated it, is there's a whole range of different areas that people can go into. So if they've got an interest, what would you recommend? Say somebody was just finishing high school at the moment, you know, and just getting through their grade 12, or maybe they've come out of school and they're kind of wandering around. They don't really know what to do. What would you suggest? What, go to technical college or go and get a degree of some sort or maybe get into it straight away? What What's your suggestions there? Well, I don't want to um, take off any parents. <laughs> well, we're, we're all grown up trying here. Because a lot of people... <laughs> push for, you know, college. I know, especially in, in the States, it's like that. And I do believe um, university can give you some perspective if you, especially if you have zero idea what you want to do. But what I have found is um, being a business owner has given me much more freedom. It's something that I've built over time. And I believe that when you're young and you have less responsibilities and more energy, 
if you have a propensity for entrepreneurship, even if you do school part-time, and I know a lot, a ton of uh, college kids who have a side business. Um, One of the partners that I use, Students and Trucks, they're college kids, and they help us haul stuff out, you know, and do small moves. So I say get your feet wet because, you know, businesses have a tendency to fail. So if you start young and get that experience, um, you can tend to ride the wave, find out what works, what doesn't work. And then when you're, you know, most of us go to school, go to school, go to, you know, some university, get a job, realize I don't like this career (laughs) at all. Meanwhile, you have student loans to pay off. Definitely. And then you do this pivot only to learn, you know, or you get laid off or you decide, I think I want to do something else or be my own boss. And not to say, you know, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Um, and, and, and truly, entrepreneurs need those people <laughs> so they can work for us along the way. But I say give it a try. I'm, I did a uh, talk with someone recently who started her business to pay off her student loans. And within like two years, she paid her student loans off where she had zero idea how she was going to get it done. I think it's important to have different streams of revenue Um, a job could definitely be one of them. Entrepreneurship is about problem solving. And I think it just helps you be a well-rounded person. I loved, I loved that statement. Entrepreneurship is about problem solving. And you, you hit the nail on the head. That was a great statement. I love it. (laughs) We are dragon slayers. (laughs) But you know, well, even better statement. I mean, the thing about it is entrepreneurship is, is a difficult place to go because it's, it's about responsibility as well, isn't it? Because responsibility falls fair and square on your shoulders. What have been some of the techniques that you've managed to pull yourself out of those dark days? Because we all have them. Yes. And I've been there before where you think, oh, all these bills are going out. i got no money coming in. i got to take the kids to school. i got to feed them, you know, right. clothe them. So, so what were some of the kind of strategies that an entrepreneur really helped you in the early days, do you think? I think it was... When I was employed, I was reading multi-level marketing businesses. Um, I say start off with them. Yeah. Some people, you know, have negative things to say about them. But one thing that I realized that it taught me was you get a lot of no's before you get yes. You get used to that. Um, I think when we're employees, we're, you know, we don't like to get told no. We like to, you know, get promoted and feel good and get benefits. <laughs> but it's, that road is not always paved that way in entrepreneurship. So I think starting in some business that, you know, toughens you up a little bit, gives you some calluses on your hand, so to speak. Yeah. But a lot of those training that they have about sales or about customer service, or just about ways of thinking. Um, I know I, a lot of the books that I had to read or was recommended to read, like Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, these are the things that really helped guide me during those dark times. So I think feeding that part of your brain um, and knowing what adventures lay ahead will uh, help you get through them. I love it. I love it. Because, um, I mean, you really kind of summed it up there is that, um, you know, book reading is really important. Learning from other people's mistakes is really important. 
Um, and when you have those dark days to fall back on something like that is really, really good. And making friends and influencing people is a classic. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, when you actually read that book, you suddenly realize it's really very basic, that interrelationship. But what one thing I really love what you said was get involved with some multi-marketing, you know, selling situations. And it's funny, we featured a, a multi-marketing uh, company on this program before because that's the range of, of different businesses, isn't it? You can be entrepreneur on on this side, on the right here, but right down the left is you've got no qualifications. Well, guess what? You can still get a job as long as you're prepared to work hard, listen, and apply that kind of training you get. You, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. You really can, can't you? That's the point. Absolutely. Well, listen, I want to leave some time to promote your business and to let people know where you are and how they can get a hold of you and website and various other contact uh, details, if you don't mind. We're based in the um, D.C. Washington metro area. We service probably, I would say, 25 to 30 miles um, at the radius of D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, at the heart being uh, Alexandria, Virginia. So we have a lot of our uh, clients in Northern Virginia, but we will go further out for referrals and for large jobs. Um, So if a person is, uh, you know, needing a one or two day unpack, we will go further out and a whole home organizing job that might take a day will be there. People can reach us on our website, dextrousorganizing.com. That's D-E-X-T-E-R-O-U-S organizing.com. And they're welcome to fill out the intake form. We have an automated system that will tell them next steps. That is great. Very straightforward. And I love that as well, that you're flexible because sometimes jobs are not cookie cutters, are they? They're not in that kind of restricted boundaries of just being very simple and straightforward because you're involving people again, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And very briefly, on, on the business side, because I know that people are fairly can grasp the kind of, you know, the residential side, that makes sense in moving a house. On the commercial side, you know, on the business side, what's what's your scope there? What what can you go up to in terms of jobs? Um, we've done um, large organizations of maybe 100 employees, but we were working more so on the administrative staff side, um, helping them to um, keep their, so if it was a uh, office that has a certain ambiance, <laughs> they want the uh, support staff's desk since they're out in the open to reflect that ambiance. So putting systems in place to help them um, with that. We will do community spaces um, like the break rooms and the storage areas. A lot of times Organizations have a lot of what I call swag, everything that has their name on it from past conferences and future conferences. There's a ton of nonprofits in Alexandria, Virginia. So we've we've worked with a couple of them um, where, you know, they have those those rooms. And um, since the pandemic, a lot of spaces have shrunk. Um, People wanted to use their space wisely. They want to use their space um, maybe in a way that is more, this is not John's desk. This is John and Judy and Paul. (laughs) So a shared space kind of situation. And in that case, it needs to be structured in a certain way and organized in a certain way so we can help in those situations as well. Yeah. And you almost just stole the next question. I was going to ask you, where do you see it going next? And you've already alluded to the hot desking or hotel desking. What other areas do you think the industry is going to go? Is there some technology that is now coming in? Is there things that you're starting to use that you maybe didn't have four or five, six years ago? Where is it going, do you think? 
as an industry? Well, I'm seeing this from the residential side often. A lot of our clients, they worked in offices and then during the pandemic, they weren't. So then they had to turn a spare bedroom or maybe the formal dining room wasn't used often. So now it's going to be an office. (laughs) Last year, it was um, virtual learning centers. Now in our uh, area, these kids have gone back to school. But if a person was already pretty disorganized or didn't have good systems in place before they were seeing the hardships they couldn't walk away from it you know go to Starbucks or go to the office and get away from you know certain situations or the ambiance of clutter so they needed to create ways of um, making the space more palatable for work. Okay. Well, listen, it's been an amazing insight into this industry. I knew nothing about it when I first (laughs) met you and you've really educated me, but I hope the listeners will be able to sort of take some of the information you give them. And, you know, if they're thinking about doing something that's a little bit different, but in demand, Mm -hmm. because this, this business is in demand, there's no doubt about it. uh, Then hopefully you've given them some sort of tidbits of information that will sort of spur them on their way. Um, I wanted to ask one last question. And again, I ask all my guests this question. Um, If you were 18 again, okay, what would you tell yourself now with all the knowledge that you have? Hmm. That is an interesting question. Um, One thing I would say now is it's going to all work out. (laughs) I think when you're 18, you're just so stressed out because every decision can, you know, put you on this path and you don't know, you know, what your life could look like. Um, And, you you know, you're comparing yourself to your friends and, you know, you're listening to the demands or the interests of your family. And um, I think I don't necessarily would want to dissuade myself from any of those maybe, well, certain mistakes, maybe I'd have to write those down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, invest in Google, <laughs> but of course, right. Absolutely. But, um, we are a amalgam of all of our successes and mistakes. And we can never say if I hadn't done this, I would have turned out better. Or if I have done this, things would have been better because we never know who we would meet along the way. Um, and so life is a journey, enjoy it. And, um, I'm happy where I am now. So I I think I would tell my 18 year old self to just, it's going to be okay. Couldn't said better than that. That's a wonderful expression. And uh, listen, thank you so much. I'm glad we got there in the end. We we tried to set this meeting up so many times and with summer holidays and things like that, but we got there in the end, which was good. And well, we enjoyed our vacation. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you've got to enjoy a bit of family time and downtime, haven't you? That's the important thing, but no, this is, this has been a revelation. And uh, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart because um, I've been educated. I really have. Oh, awesome. uh, Well, and I wish you the best of luck and I hope you keep growing because it sounds as if your business is going in the right direction, eh? Yeah, so far so good. Um, A lot of blood, sweat and tears. (laughs) Smeared on the road of success. (laughs) We all know what that feels like, don't we? The skint knees and the skint arms and the bloody nose, but we get there and we keep getting back up again because that's the important thing. You've got to get back up again. That's what you do, isn't it? Well, listen, uh, have a great uh, rest of your week and thank you again for being a great guest. I've really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. You've been listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. 
My guest this week was Andrea Hancock, founder of Dexterous Organising, giving you back your life through her organisation. Remember, there are more conversations coming up in this series. Just look out for On Another Track with me, David Wilson, on your local podcast platform and subscribe. This has been a BritCam production for Urban Aspect Incorporated. Keeping us safe on the roads of North America. Music